Hey guys, Jonathan Huarbe here. For those of you that may not know, I'm the producer of the Far Flung Tin Can podcast, and we love what we do here at Far Flung, telling stories and capturing content and moments uh, that have to do with missions, and sometimes just times that just have to do with funny things that happen uh, while we're out traveling and going to the destinations that we go to. Um, You know, this last year has been incredible. Uh, This is our very first season. This is season one of the Far Flung Tin Can podcast, and it has been so fun and so just beneficial um, even from an editor standpoint or from a producer standpoint, uh, being able to listen back to the content, um, I have been so blessed uh, by just all the voices and, and and all the things that have been said on this podcast. You know, one of the things that we uh, talked about early on when we first felt like the Lord was leading us in this direction to to launch this podcast was we want a platform where we can uh, deep dive into all things far flung, whether it's a moment that happened on a trip or uh, something that the Lord is doing in us or through us. Right. Um, And and be also uh, also be able to talk with our missionaries. And so we've had the chance to be able to do that with people like Celia. She's our friend and wonderful sister and missionary friend that is in Mozambique. And uh, we've had uh, people that have traveled with us on the podcast. And so there's just so many things that um, we've realized that this has been a huge blessing. I believe that it's been a blessing to the listener, but I think it's also been a blessing to us being able to sit and reflect on the things that the Lord has done and is doing around the world. At the end of the day, it's all for him, all for his glory right? Just to make his name famous wherever we go to the far-flung corners of the earth, um, just to use a terminology that we like to use at the office, right? And so um, this is actually the end of season one. And like we said, we've had a blast and we're looking forward to season two because we are coming up with new types of content. Um, we know that we're a long form podcast and sometimes it's a 45 minute podcast and sometimes it's a, uh, hour long episode. And so we recognize that. And so we want to be able to give you guys content that you can listen to at any time, maybe on the way to work, on the way from work during a lunch break. Um, if you're sitting at home, I don't know, doing laundry, working on the car, cutting your grass, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, just so that you're, you're able to be uplifted and encouraged, um, and by the stories and by all the things that God is doing around the world. So we're excited for season two. Be looking out. This is the last episode. This is episode 17. And this is actually going to be from our Emanate Missions Conference, which was not long ago here in Chattanooga, Tennessee at Redemption to the Nations Church. And we're just so grateful that we get to come together every year to talk about missions and to hopefully inspire others to be um, just encouraged to jump in on this journey of missions and preaching the gospel all around the world, wherever it leads us. And so we're really excited for what the Lord is doing. And we are looking forward to, like I said, season two. Uh, We hope that you enjoy this episode and we'll catch you at the end. God bless. Hope everybody had a great um, time at lunch. So I'm going to kick off with a few questions. 
All right. First question has a language barrier has a language barrier in another country ever caused you to have an awkward situation has a language barrier ever caused you to have an awkward or a difficult situation when you were in another country um we haven't had a whole lot of awkward situations but we have had like preventative Oh, we have, but not maybe language. Just okay. that's just us speaking the right language and saying the wrong things. Um, we we did uh, find out the differentiation in uh, Mozambique when you're requesting things. Um, coco is coconut, and coco is poop. So, coco and coco. Yeah, like if it goes up at the end, it's coconut. If it goes down at the end, it goes down. Okay, next. I've got a story. Oh, you have one? I've got a, I've got a story. Yes. So, oh, man. Um, so, you know, sometimes when you travel, there's like cultural barriers, I mean, language barriers, but there's also like within the language, there are nuances and differences, right? Well, nuances. Deep. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's great. Uh, anyway, my wife and I were in Ecuador for five weeks, and um, this was a day that she, she was doing some Spanish classes for one of the girls at Pan de Vida. And um, so, you know, she came in for her lesson, and so she's talking to her or whatever, and I'm helping with Mateo, finishing getting, you know, getting him ready and dressed, changing his diaper, all that dad duty stuff. And uh, so I carry him out of the room, and I was like, oh, hey. And I was going to say, oh, hi, Grace. But then I noticed that in that moment, like, it was like tears rolling down her face. And I was like, oh, no, like something happened, like, you know. And it was like she was really, really, really broken, like really broken, and so Amanda's sitting there talking to her, and I was just like, oh, no, like, something happened. So I, like, slowly, you know, kind of walk over, trying to listen into what's going on. And, I, and she's like, yeah, you know. And so Amanda looks at me and says, her father died. I was like, wow, like, that's tough, man. Like, and, like, she's crying at the, at the level of my father died, right? And so um, anyhow, so she's... Um, telling us, telling Amanda everything. And Amanda's like, just, we're praying for her. We start praying for her. Like, Lord, touch her life. Like, God, please, like, her father just died. Like, all these things. Well, um, we get to the end of it. I'm texting people. Guys, like, remember so-and-so? They, like, her father just died. And we just prayed for them. And, like, we're going into ministry moment. We're, like, praying to the Lord. Like, God, bless her life help her, like all the, all the things that you could say if someone's, you know, someone died. And so we get to the end of the prayer. I've already texted a bunch of people. People are praying. They're replying. We're praying comfort. You know, we, we pray comfort and peace over her life. This was a really somber moment. And at, at the end of that, Grace looks up to, to us and says, um, she says, oh, it was my cat's father. Oh, 
Oh, she said, thank you, my cat is really sad. Now, the, 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 the part that was like weird, because I was trying to figure it out, is that she told us how her father died, right? Again, we still think it's her father. <laughs> no, that's not how he, But he said that there's like a plank that fell on her father and killed her father. And I was like, what kind of plank is this? Did she say like, that he landed on all four of his legs? <laughs> no. I was like, what kind of, like the house fell on him? Like I'm thinking through all these things. And so then when she told us that, you know, that it was her father's character, she said, thank you, it was my cat. We were both like, I had to step away because I was like, Lord, I just asked like 30 people to pray so that, you know, because her father just died. And uh, so sometimes, you know, things just get lost in translation. Um, yeah, fun stuff. That makes me question like every time we've had like a serious prayer moment now. And we've like, we're praying for this person because they're, and I'm like, w maybe was it like, like it was nothing at all. And we're like going for it. Um, question uh, number two, anybody on the panel, um, misconceptions that you had or that people often have going into the missions field, whether that's trips or missions in general, what are some misconceptions that you have seen people have? Uh, I think just especially in general, uh, I think there's this conception that people think that they're going to this extremely impoverished area and they're going to go and heal everyone and bless everyone. And the mission trip is for those people that they're going to be with. Um, when in actuality, that's usually not the case. Um, and most of the time, I would say the trip is for the person that's going and for what God can do with them and through them and, you know, to them. A lot of times I think God takes us on mission trips to separate us from, as Kyle was talking about, our comfort earlier. Sometimes it's literally just God sending you to get you away and alone in a place where he can use you in different ways and speak to you in different ways. And um, so I think that uh, usually is a bit shocking to some people. Yeah, I, I would say probably one of the misconceptions um, would be if you're going on a far-flung trip and you think everything's going to be perfectly planned the way it is on paper. Um, if you're that person that wants it exactly perfect, it may not be that way, but I tell Kyle this all the time. That is what I love about far-flung trips is it's spontaneous and we don't know what's going on, and I love that. And there are times we do know what's going on, but I love when it goes off the, the schedule a little bit. So if you're kind of cut and dry to the schedule, you know, I think some people maybe come in with that as well. And there's probably some who just, I don't know, they think that uh, it's going to be just all comfort, comfortable and the whole thing, and it's not always that way. So, which is We had awesome. someone, I've told the story before, and he, was in, he ended up being on the Zoom call. Um, he's, he's heard me tell the story. There is someone that signed up for a trip to Peru, and we were, like, advising him, like, what he needed to pack, and he wasn't listening, and, hey, you really need this, and I won't be fine, I'll be fine. And then eventually he's like, look, like, what, what's the big deal? Peru is a American, American island. And we were like, Shoot. he thinks we're going to Puerto Rico. Uh, that's gross. And uh, yes, so you, you never know. You never know. Some of these, actually, you know, some people sign up for countries and 
bless them like for having that much faith. Some don't even know what continent we're going to. They're like going to Mozambique. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, just to say yes and not know where it is on the co- the, the world. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I think a misconception we talk about a lot for people is that missions is something they can't afford. Like, it's, oh, it's too expensive for me to travel. I can't afford this. If once I have more money, if I had a better job, and people don't realize how many in your circle would give yeah. if they found out you wanted to go. Because there's a lot of people who don't want to go, yeah. but they'll give. Are you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, kind of tagging along with that, is sometimes missions, and, and this happens a lot with, I think, any ministry role, it's like you feel like there has to be a certain level of qualification Right. And it's like you won't go because you don't feel qualified. And, you know, I I would say and I think a lot of us would say that, like, the only qualification you need is that you've given your life to Christ and you want others to experience the same thing. Right. It's like like what 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 other qualification is there? Right. Just just like read scripture. Like we've been at 17000 feet. We're praying for people tired. Honestly, probably just saying like in our minds, we're like. We're up here at 17,000 feet. We're tired. We just want to go back to the hotel, eat a warm meal. We're freezing cold. We're tired. Been there for nine hours. And then in the midst, in the middle of that time frame, you know, people are getting healed and, I mean, saved and set free and all that stuff. And it's like, we didn't even know until somebody finally said, well, because, you know, we asked them, it was like, well, how did you guys hear that we were here? And they were like, oh, yeah, there's just people going around town saying, you know, there's these men in the town square, you know, praying for people and they're, getting healed Gary and I you know I translated it to Gary and we were like he was like what you know and and I'm not saying that we were careless or that we were you know didn't want to be there we we love the fact that we were there but it's just like there's a reality sometimes it's cold it's it's high you know 50 percent oxygen and so sometimes I feel like there's that misconception that it has to be a certain thing or that you have to be qualified in a certain way right um so and to add to that those moments that you see that are like packaged in a film these big giant moments that we keep looking back on don't feel like those moments uh leading up to they never feel like this is this big it's usually like i think we've made a giant mistake this is a yeah there's no backtrack there's no like i'm not talking to myself in the interview it was like and at that moment you know god was doing this it's just like i hope we've made the right decisions it's usually terrifying and then in the middle of it, you're like, okay, God's doing something. Okay. And then it, maybe about three-fourths of the way through, you're like, oh, we're in one of those moments. We're one of those things where it's all coming together. Yeah. But it doesn't, you, it doesn't feel like it until you're almost through it. Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly just want to say, too, I think there can be this misconception of, well, God's got to call me there before I can go. Like, I have to have this, this vision or this dream, and God will do that, but... I've always had the heart with Far Flung. If Kyle asked me to go, I don't think twice about it. I say yes. Um, I've never, it's bad. This may sound really bad, but I never prayed about going to a Far Flung trip. Is that, is that bad? Like, I just I just said. We didn't pray about you going okay. either. <laughs> I know you didn't worry about it. Yeah, I know you didn't. But, wow, thanks, Brian. We just wanted you to go. We didn't have to pray about it. We just want, our yeah. heart is with you. Yeah, that was me, though. I was just yeah. like, man, I don't care, you know. I'm, I want to go. And wherever, I mean, we're spreading the gospel. So for me, it was just a yes. So maybe that can be a little misconception. But God does speak to people too, so okay. I don't want to. I'm going to hit you guys with a couple questions. Um, best and worst. 
Okay. Best case scenario, worst case scenario. You don't have to be specific on which country because we don't want to, anyone not to sign up to go. You just have to discover that. But like, um, or like best situation, worst situation, highs, lows. Okay, bathroom situations. What have been some of the best and worst? Okay, and, and I'll say a best because I don't know if there's that many best situations. But one of the places we go, they take us to a restaurant, and when you walk into the guy's restroom, it's like this, like, indoor, outdoor, jungle-like place, and it's really cool. And so, but you're also a little bit afraid, because, you know, when you go to the bathroom, it's kind of vulnerable, you know? Like, it's, it's like a vulnerable moment, you're like, how far into the jungle am I? Um, can, can wild animals... Uh, can, can they get me in here? So um, bathroom stories, shower stories. We've heard Duncan sharing about his traumatic childhood. Um, I won't. I'll just give enough details to get a snicker. It's a pretty like, it's a pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty vulnerable story that we don't need to go into. But let's just say on the way to Mozambique with Clark and John Bellion in Paris at the Eiffel Tower. Uh, everybody, when you talk about, oh, I went to the Eiffel Tower, and it's just this, I'm not going to tell the story, but it was, my, it was my worst. And I could not find a bathroom. And it, you would think of all the places we go, we have these awful you know, stories of going to the bathroom, and mine is at the Eiffel Tower. Oh, and, I, and also, yeah, that, that's true. We got food poisoning in the Amazon, me and Gary. And Gary was convinced it was in the water. So he kept giving us iodine tablets, but like four times as many as you're supposed to have. He's like, well, this will kill it all. And I think he was giving us iodine poisoning. So I, the more water I drank, the sicker I got. So, yeah. I'm going to go the opposite way now that Kyle has... Uh, successfully scared everyone from going on trips. Um, if you're looking for a very normal bathroom situation, I will say Mozambique and Ecuador both have very normal, what you would look for in an American toilet situation bathroom. So ladies, don't let that scare you. Those two locations at least have very normal bathroom situations. Yeah. I was um, going to say a shower on Amazon. We had, we had like one shower. We had like 55 people on there. No, no, we're not doing that story either. <laughs> we, we're not. Let me just share one story, though. I won't, I won't say who it is. But uh, we had, who, who went to the Amazon? Whoever went to the Amazon? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There was like two showers, maybe one bathroom. I can't really remember. But the showers, the showers, some, somebody had told me that. Huh? Don't do it? Okay. All right. I won't do it. share that story. Okay, so I did it too. Um, so. If you haven't been to Thailand, you, when you go, you're going to encounter what's referred to as the squatty potty. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I had a traveler recently that was um, walked into the bathroom not expecting the squatty potty, expecting an American potty, and they were just really tore up about it. And they also didn't see toilet paper, so they come to me asking for toilet paper. And I said, just a moment, and we will get you some. Just give me a moment. Um, and then, you, I, like, you know how sometimes, yeah, you know how sometimes we um, play charades to try to explain something to someone? Well, this person trying to play charades 
to explain to someone that I need toilet paper, just reached and grabbed something out of someone's hand and like just snatched it up and said, I need some toilet paper, right? But what they didn't realize is they had grabbed a piece of money that has the face of the king of Thailand on it, which is, it's like one of our cultural things, like you don't do anything that would, that would affect the monarch, never anything to like deface the monarch, to which pretending that it's, so money is not toilet paper in Thailand, just in case you were curious about that. Best, worst food experiences. Sam, we only have 27 minutes. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's the ultimate food guru, so go ahead. Well, I don't want to be selfish with my time either. So uh, I would would say each spot has their own places. At the far-flung retreat, I did break those restaurants down that I thought were the best in every single place we've been to. Looking forward to Japan, and yeah, yeah, I don't have the PowerPoint with me. Should have brought that. I'm so sorry. apologize on that. but yeah, uh, I would say when we were in Brazil, well, the Brazilian steakhouse was was fire, and we had we had had a yeah we had had a comp yeah it was great. We had had a competition too. I believe uh, Jeremy was in on it. We were just seeing who could eat the most. Uh, Gary, Pastor Gary, I believe was in on some something like that. And uh, yeah, we were. I was sick for a week after that day. So was that best and worst? A little mixture because I was I was sick for a week. But we also had this fish at that place if you remember. Yeah, that was unrefrigerated, and I think I took a little bite of that. So I think a mixture of all that. And plus, when you're on a trip, you don't really use the bathroom a lot, you know, sometimes. Cool. <laughs> sorry, Delilah. Sometimes sorry. you need a little pep, though, if you're on a trip for a minute. You're sorry, Delilah. When he comes home <laughs> and he hasn't used the bathroom in a while. I mean, and, wow. That's, so, that's, sometimes, sometimes you get stopped up sometimes when you're yeah. on missions trips. Yeah, it, I mean, for sure. That does happen. <laughs> okay, food. Um, best meals, worst meals, um, difficult things. I'll say best food for me has been Mozambique. And I'll say my example is that Zeke, who came this past year, was vegan or vegetarian, by the time we left, was partaking in a meat platter at the restaurant that we went to. Uh, so always very good food in Mozambique. <laughs> I'd say my uh, best best food for me is Thailand. Like overall, really. I think for, for a long time Thailand had best meal and most difficult meal for me. Um, I think the guinea pig oh, yeah. has now for me taken the cake on most difficult meal. I think after the session, Fine Carruthers he ventured into some strange food things in Japan. So just you can get with him personally on that. Yeah, some some raw horse. Um, like jellyfish, right? Raw jellyfish. Yeah. And I mean, he's had a strange fever for like the last 14 days and he's got a parasite of some kind. I don't know. Um, so yes. Um, so best, um, I guess best or worst animal encounters, cool animal encounters while on the mission field. Well, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Set it up. All right, so when we're staying on safari, we stay in the park overnight in these little bungalows, and me and him are sharing a bungalow. And they tell us, like, there's baboons everywhere. Like, be careful, like, they're just going Rip through your the face trash. off. And you don't, a baboon sounds cute. They, you don't want to mess with a baboon. I'm sure Duncan's had some experiences with baboons. They're vicious. 
So they're warning us over and over. So I go to get some food at the little uh, store, and I come back, and you, you walk in the door, and there's my bed, and then further away is, is his bed. And I open the door, and Jonathan's asleep. And so I'm just being stupid. I didn't video it because I didn't think he would react, but I decided to come in acting like a baboon. And Jonathan lost his mind. He was so scared, like, like jumps up in the bed, wide-eyed. And then if he thought it was a baboon, I don't know what he was going to do. He jumps onto my bed closer to the baboon. Like he, he turned into a baboon. Like you got to attack quick. Like he okay. like you, you matched got, my energy perfectly. You need all, you need all the advantage you, you can get. And then he tries it again, tries to record it, and then plays baboon sounds. And then I see, I open my eyes and I see this little red flashing light, and I was like, this man trying to record it. Can me. you give us a little bit of the baboon sound? Like, <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah. Um, other interesting animal encounters from the trips? Interesting. Yep. The Amazon trip, the Pink River Dolphins. Those were weird. I have a story with those. I don't have to share this. Uh, is it appropriate? Yeah. It's yeah. Why does Farfung always have to ask one of is it appropriate None of my stories are inappropriate. I have a story, but I don't have to share it. I don't. I mean, we just, uh, it was the Pink Dolphins, and you could pay to go and get in the water with them. And so I got in the water, and I'm like, this is going to be great. And then the trainer who was there, the guy that had the was in charge of the Pink Dolphins, he said, whatever you do, he looked at me, he said, whatever you do, I don't know if it's because I'm a bigger guy, but he said, don't move and don't touch the dolphin. And so I looked at him, I said, why am I in here? <laughs> he was like, you're in here to experience the pink dolphins. And I said, well, if you don't want me to move. And then all of a sudden I felt something cross my leg and it was the pink dolphin came right up and grabbed the fish out of his hand. And I was like, what am I doing here? This thing's about to kill me. So, We're in a floaty. Yeah. Like I know, but why would he tell me that? I don't know. Did he tell you that? Oh, wait, were you going to say something? Oh, um, yeah, I think like we didn't know we encountered interesting animals when we were swimming in the Amazon. It's like, you know, and it's like, you know, somebody asked me, he's like, yeah, weren't you swimming with piranhas? I was like, yes, I was. Like anacondas, crocodiles, all that stuff. When we, we went and scouted, when we, when we went and scouted the Amazon, on the way into the Amazon, like we're in the Amazon, but we're going to go 500 miles in. And we stop at this like little dock where you can pet a caiman, like hold a caiman or a sloth, and then like, and then we have an anaconda. I was like, awesome. It was just me. I don't know where Gary was, but it was just me there for some reason. And so we go on this dock. They open this big giant cooler where the anaconda is, and they're like, oh, it's gone. I was like, <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, like they, they just get, they, the kids go out in the woods and get these things and like bring them back in, and now it's, an, it's like an attraction. So they're like, where's the anaconda? They're looking all over the dock, and I'm like, Okay, and they're like, can you come back in a week? We'll have a new one. So I was like, okay, we'll come back in a week. So the whole trip, Gary's going, are we, oh, we're going to go see the anacondas? We're gonna, I, I was like, we can go back if you, if you want to. Oh, yeah, we got to see the anacondas. Are we gonna? I was like, man, he's really into this. So we go back, and they had a new one, nine foot long, and they only had it for one day. And uh, they, it had crawled up into a tree, ate a bird's nest, and then got kind of, they get a little lethargic after they eat. And a 12-year-old boy climbed up the tree, got the anaconda, got it there, and was ready to put it around our necks. So I do it, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this, 
massive smelly anaconda. It wasn't full grown yet, like, but it's still nine foot anaconda. And uh, so then it was like Gary's turn. Gary goes, I don't think I'm going to do it. I said, what? We're here. We're only here because he goes, I'm terrified of snakes. I said, why did you bug me about this for a week? He, I, I think he just wanted to face his fears. He said, I just don't want to do it. I want to do it, but I, I don't want to do it. So I was like, okay, this is great. So I, I get this thing on his neck. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Get, get a picture of it. Get a picture of it. Go ahead. Go ahead now. And it's like wrapping around. He's like, he goes, oh, I'm going to do something. Which I don't know if he means like he could turn into the hawk. He's like, I'm going to do something. You better get it. I'm going to do something. And so, right. So anyway, so I've got the picture instantly, but I'm just now videoing. I'm like, hold on. I'm just trying to get my camera to work. I'm just stretching it. And it's wrapping around. He goes, Kyle, I'm going to do something. And he was terrified. It was amazing. Um, the elephant encounter in Thailand is pretty amazing. It's pretty remarkable. If you go um, to Mozambique, and you have a chance to go on the safari, don't get in the vehicle with Kyle or with Celia. They've been on too many safaris, and things are no longer impressive. So they're going to nap until something exciting. So they're like stirring. Is it a kill? Did a lion kill something? I'm going back to sleep, you know. Um, so you want to get on there with the rookies, with the first-year people. They're excited about everything. The safari is unbelievable. The tiger encounter is pretty cool in Thailand. Um, it's really fun. It also feels like the place you would be most likely to be attacked by an animal. When we went the very first time, I asked him, has anyone ever been killed by one of these tigers? And he says, no one's been killed. Many attacks. But no one's been killed. And so then that, that's all Kyle needed to hear, and we were in. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And recently in Zambia, um, the new trip that will be offered this coming year, there's a lion encounter, which was so amazing. And um, you also can take and walk with the cheetahs, which was really, really cool. They purr really loud, which is a little unsettling for an animal <laughs> that big to purr. Um, but I guess if they're not purring, that's scarier. Okay, so another question um, for you guys. Your life is richer. Your life is richer because of the cross-cultural experience in what ways? Right. What are the ways that your life here is richer because of your ability to, to encounter so many different cultures? Um, seeing... Jesus outside of American Jesus is the greatest gift. Being able to, um, and I'm not saying that um, Jesus is to everybody in a different way and he's contradictory toward things. I'm saying that so much culture is built into who we think Jesus is that it's not scriptural. And then when we get to another place and then we see how they view things and how they uh, interact and all the ways that Jesus has been there for them, um, is very enriching, and, and and you come back and you just question everything. It's good to question things, um, shake things, poke at it, look at it from every direction, and then be like, okay, this is where I end up. And so it is definitely one of the most enriching things to be able to see uh, how people worship and how they view God and how they trust God in different ways um, is one of the biggest. There's so there's probably a million answers, but that's the one I. I think sometimes there's like a, 
and I grew up this way, right? Like growing up Pentecostal, you know, sometimes we feel like there's just like charging up that has to happen before we go, before we do something spiritual. And uh, one of my favorite things about, you know, when we travel with Farflung is, and Kyle mentioned this earlier, is the fact that we just kind of go. We get on a plane. We know we're going to Africa. We know we're going to Ecuador. We know we're going to these countries. But sometimes, like, this was in Ecuador. We went to the hot springs, right? It's like we're, like, vacationing, basically, you know, for a day, you know, just kind of so people can see the country while they're there. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you right now, like, the last thing on my mind was, like, this is a spiritual moment. This, like, for me, I was like, this is amazing. I'm in a hundred and, was it, two, hundred and five maybe even hotter than that. It's like the hottest pool. And people are asking us like, yeah, where are you guys from? And we start telling stories and all these things. And I'll be honest, the last thing I was thinking about that it was that we were going to end up having a line of people in the hottest water possible, wanting us to pray for them. And even to the point where we thought, is this about to be a baptism? And so like, you know, I, I think kind of going back to this, this preconceived idea that sometimes we have, it's just like, you know, I'm not coming here to, like, I'm, 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 I'm being an example of Christ. I'm preaching the gospel, but that's it, you know? And sometimes uh, I think it has helped me, yeah. Ryan, to really get this understanding that my main role, my main goal when I go to a different country is to preach the gospel, right? Yeah. I think the other thing it does when you go to another culture, it, it helps to eradicate the stereotypes that we have towards people. And we're small-minded if we don't recognize we have ingrained in us some preconceived notions towards people who are a different color, a different accent, and that kind of stuff. And we think all Muslims are angry and militant, or we think certain things about people. And then when you can get into that environment and you sit down at someone's home in this other country, and they speak different, and they, and they live differently, and they look differently... It helps to like chip away at what you once thought was like concrete um, and what society or what American news cycles have told us about other countries and other cultures. And you suddenly are going to question things differently because of the cultural um, exposure that you've had. Uh, another question for you guys while we just have a couple minutes. Um, in the hard times on the field, when things have been really difficult on the field, what are some things that help like preserve you or things that helped um, keep you centered um, to keep you maybe like balanced, whether it's family back home or what are some things you've done when things are difficult in the field? Pedialyte and prayer. Um, Pedialyte physically for sure. Uh, prayer for sure. Um, I found it really helpful to uh, find somebody that's a mentor, a pastor, somebody that um, you're really close with back home, make sure that they know that you're going, um, make sure that they're praying for you, whether it's like a team back home at church that's praying for you. Um, uh, I've seen people like assign different people in their lives different days. So you know when somebody different is praying for you each day. Um, but just always kind of reconnecting with them if you're having a hard time. Um, and then also our missionaries, I think, are great resources. Um, you know, they've been through the hard times there, and whatever it is you're experiencing, I promise they have experienced. So even um, talking to them about whatever you're going through, but and also the Pedialyte. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would, I would say as far as on a trip, just the nightly devotions that we have together are some of the most powerful moments, um, even in my life uh, this summer in Mozambique, one of our nightly devotions was just a staple for my life. Um, and they're all like that. We get together, it's, it's late, we're tired, and then God shows up. Um, on every far-flung trip I've been on in those nightly, nightly meetings together, um, and also just the people where you are. I mean, you, when you get in a room and you start to pray with people from different countries and you see their hunger for the Lord and their heart for God, it keeps you motivated. Um, because, you know, here we have a lot of stuff, you know, and when you go there, you see, like, they don't have as much as we do, but they're just as rich as we could ever be um, because of their, their heart for God and their, the way they love their family. And they, don't, they don't, may not have much physically, but there's so much they have spiritually. And so that right there on the field keeps you really motivated. Uh, those things for me. Um, I think one thing, too, you can't pack everything that you're going to need, um, even like emotionally, spiritually. You're going to have to trust that, because we've been in some dicey moments, and you're just going to have to trust that you'll, you, it'll be there when you need it. Like when you need courage. When you need that faith, when you need those things, the portion will, will be there when you need it. And you just kind of got to trust that. Because otherwise, why are you walking around with this swollen up faith when, when you're just like, you know, just handing out plates of food? You don't need that. Um, yeah, I want to say something to you that, Brian, real quick. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, my wife and I spent five weeks in Ecuador. And it's one thing when you go on a one-week trip or week-and-a-half trip and— you're with a bunch of people, like, like, um, what's your name? Sam. <laughs> so you're with, you know, Sam's there and you're all hanging out. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, anyway, but you know, you're all together and you're, you're devoting and worshiping and all these things. And that's so encouraging. I'll tell you the, the strangest feeling that I've ever felt. And Renee, you might've felt this is when they leave. Right? It's like, you're like, yeah, man, we just did this thing for Jesus. And then now it's like, they just left to the airport. They got on the plane. They left. And now you're like, what now? And it's like, and then you try to like find within yourselves, I'm here to preach the gospel and I'm here to do this. And people are going to be changed and fire and all these things are going to happen and explosions. And then you go back home and it's like, there's no kids running around. Right? Like there's no, there's no devotions at night with 20 people or 15 people and there's no encouraging prayer for each other, any of that. And so I would say sometimes one of the things that encouraged Amanda and I was, and we struggled, I think, for a little while. We were sick of three or five weeks that we were there, right? We got really desperate and we're like, we want some bread. So we went out to a local bakery. Don't ever go to a local bakery. Unless you know, there's one spot that we go to in Ecuador that's okay, but we went to a different one because we didn't feel like going all the way down. We ate some bread and we got sick for two weeks. And then after that, we got COVID. But um, aside from that, it was like, there's a point where I think I had to realize that all these like things that I had romanticized in my mind that I was coming here and things were going to blow up and this and this and this and that and like life change, I'm going to come back and all this like, you know, 10 pages worth of stories. Um, there was a moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to me. There was a little kid that was hanging out with his Josue. I don't know if you know him or not. But Josue was hanging out with us the whole week. And at one point, the Holy Spirit said, it's like, I know you're struggling. But it's like, think about what this is meaning for him. 
And I'm not saying this to glorify ourselves because honestly, I don't know that like I sat him down and was like, I'm going to teach you these things about the word, right? But it's like, these pe- this kid lives in, in, in probably one of the worst areas of Ecuador, right? 85% of all drugs come through Atacucho. If that gives you any perspective. And it's like, and that's when the Lord spoke to me and said like, this is it. Like, this is the mission. This is it. Like, you being an example because you never know. And it seems so, like, it seems so small, right? That the whole reason why I, my, my, my son, my wife, and I went to Ecuador was so that this kid could be blessed in some way. It seems so small. And it's hard to tell the story because I don't know, like, what Josue's life is in the future, right? But it's, I think it sometimes is embracing the fact that all you're doing is living life in a different country with a different culture, right? And then just saying, Lord, I trust you. And I'll tell you, things are difficult, right? Like I want to, you know, you go to Lowe's here, you need what, 30 planks of wood, right? Gabe, you know, you're, you're a contractor. You know, 30, 40 minutes and you might walk out with 30 planks of wood. Not even that, maybe 10 minutes, right? I need like 40 planks of wood and I go to the wood store and five hours later, I'm walking out with my wood. As, no, not even walking out with the wood. I had to wait till the next day so that they could deliver it because they had to prep the wood. All, that, all this to say is like sometimes we just need to embrace, like, like Renee was saying, trust the Lord, pray, and just realize that the Lord works in the big and also in the small. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We hope and pray that you have been blessed. We are passionate about missions and we love to tell stories about all the adventure that is going on around the world when we travel. But most of all, we love to tell the stories about what the Lord is doing around the world. We believe that we are all called to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go into the world and make disciples. At Farflung, we say everyone goes. Some go by giving, some go by serving, and some go by going, but everyone goes. So our prayer and our desire is that you have been challenged and encouraged so that you can also jump in on these adventures with us. There is so much need around the world and there are so many people that are waiting for someone just to come tell them about the hope and love of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting there going, I want to be a part of this, you can go to our social media pages or you can go to our website farflungtincan.com. There you will find our latest trips and all the latest info on what's going on here at Farflung. We also ask that you would consider partnering with us. We can't do it without people like you who say, we may not be able to go, but we want to go by giving. And so if that's you, go to farflungtincan.com and click on the giving link and partner with us so that we can continue to go to the far-flung corners of the earth. Once again, we hope and pray that this episode has been a blessing. Don't forget to like and subscribe our channel, share it with your friends, and be looking out for the latest episode. See you soon.